Live from Casa de Monte Cristo with Selena Marcus. It's smoking section. There's another episode of Smoking Section. We are here remotely. We're not in Casa de Monte Cristo. No, man. We 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 out here. We out here. We out here in the boondocks. Yeah. I'm loving it because it's very peaceful out here, though. Man, you got to watch those roads, though, man. I came down one curb. Next thing that thing cut to the left <laughs> on me real quick. Ain't that the truth. My shit. My car was like, oh, my little Hyundai. <laughs> well, shit, I'm in a rental. I'm, yeah, I know. I'm <laughs> you up. can't be fucking shit up over there. <laughs> You don't we, have to care. Exactly. <laughs> Your insurance will cover that. <laughs> we'll so see. we got a we got a friend. I call her a friend. She is one of one of my dear friends. friends. We're friends. I love her. She has. I still consider today Jason Aldean's biggest hit. Well, thank mm-hmm. you. She's country, ladies and gentlemen. We have here Bridget Tatum. Woo 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 Bridget How Tatum, you? how you doing? Girl? I'm doing all right. Doing all right. See, I like her hat because her hat says farm people. We're not going to talk about the red hat she has over on the counter. Hey, though. come on, <laughs> come on. Oh, you threw, you threw he, that you thing. You know what? He said he wasn't going to judge me for nothing, and now he just did that. No, I ain't judging it. I only did. It, I only did it because she's brought it up earlier. <laughs> Listen to this. See, this is already starting I, out like I this. I am your friend. Okay. I'm over here. This oh, is my see, friend. No, he's full of shit over there. See? Have you met my friend D over yeah, here? That's right. That's right. I got your back. Thank you. Uh, he always has his guests back. It's all right. I can pick on you guys. What's been going on? How's there, how's life going with you? Busy. Busy? As always, I'm on the road. Oh, man. So you, you started here. When, when did you move to Nashville? Because you, you're from... Uh, 20 years ago. 20 years ago. 20 years ago. Mm. Came here, started going to college. You're from South Kakalaka. South Kakalaki. South Kakalaki. Yes. I knew that. I knew it. Because the original line in She's Country. We wouldn't have a She's Country without South Kakalaki. That's right. I just wanted to rhyme that. That's right. That's it. And <laughs> Remember then that. T- then he took that line out. Yeah. But then you get paid, see? And then you're like, I'm. you can do whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> if you want it to say... Pink piss. I don't care. <laughs> it don't matter. It don't matter. It don't matter. That, that paycheck came out. You just you're, you're happy. Mel I mean, it ain't there. just all about that. We do. I mean, it I feel fun. like every songwriter in town got a passion for music, yeah. but it don't hurt when you walk to the mailbox. And then you kind of have this real good limp coming back to the house. Like, I just did that. I just did that. That's that gangster. That's that gangster. Yeah, that's a gangster stroll. gangster man. But then after you take the money and you divvy it out, you really only made a small reception at salary at Dairy Queen. Mm. In the corporate office. In the corporate office. Yeah, in the corporate office. (laughs) They make good money. Yeah, they make good money. I don't know. If I'll uh, sit here and divvy that out for you. You'll be like, wait a minute. I don't know. I don't know about that. You probably tell me I need to get a different job. That number just doesn't sound right for the amount of money that you, <laughs> for the amount of spends that single got. Oh yeah. Mm. Oh god, we're gonna right. get into that. Like, oh, we all know that world's not <laughs> oh, fair right now. Oh god. Streaming's killing. Streaming us. is killing everybody. Yeah. Yes. Someone told me someone told me that they uh the amount of money I think it was like a, a Ed Sharon cut and the amount of money the writers made because it was like a six way split was maybe twelve hundred dollars on a billion dollars streaming song yep that's bullshit yep. yeah after after publishing See, he's got, got my money, back just like you said just like you said and you are correct that is bullshit that's bullshit yeah that's bullshit <laughs> so you've been here for 20 years so you're basically a nashvillian yeah i bet yeah lived here for that long i reckon i am you're a nashvillian so 
you went to school. Where did you go to school? So I went to Nashville State. Okay. And I and I studied music, but I had to major there in business because they at that time they had just opened that program there. And I was going to go to Belmont. Let me make sure everybody hears this. I was going to go to Belmont, but they thought that I was white trash rolling into town. So they were like, we're going to need you to get your math scores up. And I'm, anyway, long story. <laughs> Walked out of the doors thinking, I'm not going to get to go to college. End up finding Nashville State. They had just opened that music program there. And I enrolled into that music program in the last 30 minutes that you could be in it. True wow. story. True story. Worked through school there. It was the first internship that they gave to somebody. And it was for Kent Blazy. And long story behind that, if tomorrow never comes, when I heard that song, mm-hmm. that's the reason I even got in this Songwriting. town. Yeah. Wow. That's I I never knew that. I never knew that about you. I didn't know that either until I, I got here. Yeah, I didn't know that. <laughs> that old Kent Blazy. Yes, Mr. Kent Blazy. Have you written with him? Oh yeah. You written definitely, with him? yeah. Yeah. He actually looked at me one day and he said, Hey Bridget, he said, Why don't you ever play a solo on my stuff? I said, Well, Kent, you know, because... Back in the day when I was your intern and I was sitting there at Create Real Music, you were playing all those harmonics, and I came to you one day and said, hey, will you show me how to play those harmonics? And he said, uh, I mean, do you know G, C, and D? And I said, well, yeah. He goes, well, you know everything you need to know. I said, so, Kent, the way I see it now, I know everything I need to know. <laughs> and he literally looked at me, and he goes, Bridget, I'm really sorry. I was not a nice person back then. <laughs> he was in a different spot. So I was the lowly girl in the tape room making CD copies sending them out for him. And then, uh, yeah, the one guy that they thought was going to be the guy that worked for them ended up being the pothead there. So I'm like, look at y'all making choices. Wow. Look at y'all. Didn't your mama tell you to make good choices? (laughs) So lo and behold, I moved on in town. Sometimes you got to smoke pot, you know? Well, (laughs) I don't think that agrees with business and me at the same time. You know what I'm saying? Uh, If my profession was sleeping, I'd be hitting a home run. That's very true. It's very true. Doesn't agree with you. Agrees with a lot of other people, though. On that. By the way, part. neither do I endorse drugs or sell them or any other there you, method. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I got to get disclaimers with y'all because y'all over here trying to trick people. There's unfiltered. Except unfiltered. for D, he's got he's got my back. That's right. I'm not trying to trick a shoddy. Shoddy. <laughs> oh my fault. I'll, oh my god. <laughs> Uh, the way over here going gangster on you. Yep. He going hey, gangster. This is the gangster episode. Well, he, uh-huh. he knows. He knows. When I talked about my stroll a while ago, he knows. Yeah, he I knows do. where he's at. Mm-hmm. So I went. Here's the funny thing. I went to a Ludacris concert. Yes. Mm. At Vandy, it was Ludacris and Iggy, and I'm standing there, and they didn't have the air conditioner on at all. It was hot as hell in there. Oh yeah. And I'm standing there, and I'm you know Luda's up, and we dancing, and everything. Iggy's up dancing. I turn around and two rows behind me is Bridget Tatum standing <laughs> on the bench dancing to Ludacris. All about it. All about it. I was rapping, raising, rapping oh, every oh, yeah. single oh, yeah. word to all the songs. All about, it. All, all about <laughs> it. Loved it that the first thing he came out and said, first thing Luda came out and said, he goes, y'all need to get some motherfucking air conditioning. <laughs> I was like, this is why he's my guy. He's my guy. Oh, man. Hey, that's the reason she's country rolled out like yeah, I did. Because I studied Missy and Luda. Like, they're two of my favorites. Yeah. Salt and Pepper 2 and TLC, stuff like that. I listened to that. Of course, if you didn't listen to Keith Sweat when you were growing up as a teenager, when mm. I was, you were out. Mm. Out. I listened, Keith, I listened to Keith Sweat man, growing Keith up. Keith Sweat. I still listen to Keith Sweat. And I'm from South Carolina, so we've got tons and tons of like urban music there right. around us. We're surrounded by it. I always, right. I always say, when people are talking to me, they're like, where did this come from? And I'm like, listen, if you go to the convenience store 
and you pull up in there to get some gas, there's going to be a raggedy truck that pulls up in there. And they're going to be blaring Hank Williams. That's what you're going to hear. I got a good woman. You're going to hear all that. And then right after that, it's going to be some rattling, terrible tinted windows. Going to have that purple pill and tint on it. And that trunk is going to be rattling. And that is the latest thing happening. And so that's what, that's what a convenience store. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I, at, I, 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 you know what I'm talking about. No, you got me when you said the tent. The uh-huh. tent, the purple tent coming, yeah. the purple tent coming off. Bubble oh, tent. Oh man. Yeah, you, you, you get the bubbles out of it. Yes. Uh. But you would hear both these kinds of music when you pull up. And so I was raised around just all mm-hmm. kinds of different culture. Yeah. I mean, we had guys in high school that would stand there and sing boys to men and harmonize at lunch. And I'd just stand there like, you know, with a pack of crackers, mesmerized, listening to them because they were such wow. great singers. Yeah. Wow. I mean, end of the road was our song. Mm. Mm. Did you? Uh, I, so I, I don't know if I sent this to you. Um, one of the guys from Boys Men posted a cover of, of of a group of kids doing end of the road. Oh they wow! A, they made a video of it. I actually just posted it today or yesterday, and I, I sent it out today. But they made a video of it, and it's four. It's like it looks like it's like the older brother, and then like the four little brothers. Oh really? And then they're singing. To the he's on his knee at the front door with this girl standing in the door and they're singing the song oh, and the God. video. To, I just see when, when we're done, but they're singing to it and it's like and then a the little the little six seven year old boy starts singing and it's like, oh my God! Like really someone good. needs to sign them immediately because oh, wow. so, it's so good. Well, we used to have music that I think was phenomenal mm-hmm. and now we're teeter tottering on. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> But back in my day, there were some people that could actually sing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Um, since that auto-tune came out, it's like, you know. Messed everything up, man. Just messed their- Those boys could auto-tune themselves. Right. Yeah. Boys to men. And they yeah. were just all perfect. Boys to men. Yeah. And they didn't need no auto-tune because their voice just did it. Right. I actually, this is a real story that all of you will appreciate. I was singing somewhere. And it was for, like, inner-city children. We did a whole thing with them down at a festival, and mm-hmm. I loved it. And this little boy ends up grabbing my guitar. I don't know if y'all saw that picture. He looked like Lenny Kravitz. He grabbed my guitar, and he's, like, playing it backwards because I'm left-handed, right? He yeah. doesn't know that. Yeah. But I'm like, whatever, dude. Rock on. But then he <laughs> goes, how do you get your voice to do that? And I'm like, how do I get my voice to do what? He goes, how do you get your voice to sound like it's on auto-tune? And I'm like, because um, <laughs> I can sing on pitch. That's <laughs> So Greatest true. comment in a long time. <laughs> I was dying. Um, I remember a story. You uh, you told someone to Google you before. I did. So pressing moment. I recorded a song for ACC, which uh-huh. was loud. And I go barreling through all these people because I had to get dressed for the actual performance. Right. And, um, oh, God, Montgomery Gentry was playing. This is mm. back when he, they, he had locked the bear in the cage and everybody had protest signs and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so they were walking up and down the streets. And I'm like i got to get through this with a suitcase. I've got to go get a shower and get ready for the show. So we get through all these people, finally get to the hotel. I get in the hotel. Girl's there. She's like, name, please. And I'm like, Bridget Tatum. She goes, well, we can't give you a key because it's not listed under your name. We have a name, but it's not listed. And I said, ma'am, I'm telling you, I'm that. I don't. And she was like, we need your driver's license. I'm like, I don't have my driver's license. I just need to get dressed for this show. Like, I've got to go do this show. This is televised. Like, I got to get back to the spot. She was like, ma'am, we just, we have to be able to identify people. And that is when I went, Google me. 
okay? <laughs> and my best friend was with me, and she goes, I can't believe you just said that. I said, it might be the only time I've ever used that and pulled that card. But I'm like, lady, Google me. Uh, everything's going to match up with the name and the pictures. She wouldn't let me in the room, and I had to get back to be able to play. I, t- I heard that story, and I heard that I could not. Stop laughing. Yeah, that's been my goal. True story. I, I now want to be. I now want to be able. You to want to be Google. I want to be mm-hmm. Googled. I don't want to be Googled. It's just part of the job. It's just part of the job. Yeah. yeah. I want to be, be Googleable. I want to be Googleable. Well, actually, when I said that in that moment, though, she did let me into the room finally. Because mm. my best friend was like, "I can't believe you just said that," and she she just kind of looked at me, and I'm like, "Yeah, I'm her. Yeah, I need to get in the room." Yeah. She didn't Google me, but I bet you she did after yeah, I walked off. She did <laughs> All kind of room service coming up there. You oh, yeah. know why. Oh, oh yeah, champagne God. coming up on ice and things like that. <laughs> oh, I just Listen, God. I just need to get in and take a shower, throw some makeup on, and go do my performance. And she just was holding life up, and it was televised. <laughs> Google me. Google Barbara. me. Isn't that in a movie? That is in a movie. That's it a Four Christmas. Yeah, it is. Where he looks at, at uh, is it Tim McGraw looks at it? Who is it? Google me, Barbara. <laughs> 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 oh, uh, shit. See, this is why I wanted to interview her because she is just so damn hilarious. Oh, you are turned up. Oh. That's all the time. That's all the time. Well, <laughs> this is just regular day. I mean, my friend here could justify that. Just hanging here. This is normal. It's just regular day. As a matter of fact, she was going to come and get me up before y'all came because she's like, I don't know. Should I, should I wake her up? Should I? And then I pop out of the room and she's like, I'm thinking it's like getting really close to your time to do this podcast. I'm like, no, woman, I just get up and do what I got to do. Don't worry about this. Don't worry about this. I got this. I got this. This is perfect. All right, so let, so you started writing. You're a BMI writer. BMI writer. Have been for 18 years 18 now. years. Yeah. So what made you pick BMI over ASCAP or CSAC? Well, that's a funny story. I went when I was in college. Mm-hmm. We had a speaker come, and his name is Thomas Kane. Okay. And he gave us a whole speech about BMI, and he continues to tell us about it. And you, you just need to call us. We'll call you back and, or email us. We'll make an appointment. We want to hear your stuff. And he, he tells me how warm and engaging they are, right, to new songwriters in Nashville, Tennessee. And I hear the spill. I go on to ASCAP, and I heard the spill there. And everybody gives you the spill. And so he ends up on this bench outside of that classroom. And I sat down, and I'm like, Mr. Kane. You said that if we call you, you'll call us back, right? And he goes, absolutely. He goes, we, we always we return our calls. And I said, well, I, I called you six months ago, and, and uh, the only time that I've ever heard your voice is when you were speaking in this classroom today. And he goes, what? You know, and so we get in this conversation, and then it becomes this kind of picking back and forth and ended up making friends with him, and he was the first guy I went to, to meet at BMI. But on top of that... The queen, I will always call her the queen of any kind of performing rights that there ever was, any woman that's ever worked in it. Miss Frances Preston was there that day, and they were doing the Christmas tree lighting ceremony. Mm. And she asked me, "Are you?" she just like cascaded, I will say, over, because that's what it felt like. She cascaded over, and she said, are you here to meet someone? Just like that. And I'm like, oh, my God, Frances Preston. I said, yeah, I'm here to meet uh, Mr. Thomas Kane. Well, he'll be with you shortly. I mean, this lady did not have to do this. She was like the queen. And so then she says, have you ever been here for our Christmas lighting? And I'm like, Mm-mm, no, I ain't never even been in this building, really. I just, I'm just kind of go, in my head going, no, I don't know why she's talking to me. And she said, well, you must stay. Get a beverage. So that's the first time I learned that at BMI you can get free drinks. And I'm like, oh, I'm all about this life. And then <laughs> Thomas came, came down, and then I, he took some time listening to some things and engaged with me. And so I, I think half of that is just having a connection somewhere mm-hmm, where they mm-hmm. can be warm and friendly to you. And when you're a new writer and you're scared to death and you don't know what to do and you don't want to make the wrong decisions, mm-hmm. 
if you can kind of partner up with somebody there, that's a great guidance. And so he served for that as me. And I've just never, I'm a loyal person. I've never left home and right. BMI's, BMI's done me really well. You're, you're absolutely right. It is based off the relationship that you can make with someone there. Yeah, go with yeah. the one where you feel some love. Yeah. I mean, it's the same thing. It's yeah. like a relationship with, heck, we do that in life, dating. God, go with the one that feels some love. Shoot. Mm-hmm. Not the one mm. that's just necessarily showing you all the shiny smoking mirrors. Go mm. with the one where you can you can get down to some business. Yeah. Marcus, I can't help mm. about your relationships, mm. okay? We can't help you. Mm-hmm. I he don't was, think He anyone, was just going to keep going right on. I don't people. think anyone right helped my relationships. <laughs> <laughs> I get myself in trouble all man, the time. We, we got your back, bro. You got yeah. my back. Yeah, we okay. got your back, It's just the got man. your back, man, over yeah. here. Yeah. Always call me. I like me. it. I call like me. It. I'm there. He's like, hey, you want to do this? Yeah, I got you. Yeah, I got you. What's through Hello. that shit? Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Hello goes so many different ways now. Different ways now. Yeah, we can get Adele or we can get all Lionel Richie on it. You know, we got so many different. I think, Richie over yeah, here. Oh, I think yeah, it, all day. There's a part in the town when Ben Affleck, I guess his girlfriend, like, gets picked on by some gang members in the street or whatever. So he goes home to his brother and he says, we're going to do something tonight. Some people are going to get hurt, and you're not going to speak of it ever again. And the brother looks at him and goes, well, whose car are we taking? <laughs> that's me. <laughs> that's me. That's me. Hey, that's that out north, 23rd. Hey, what's up? See it. <laughs> Northwest 23rd. <laughs> oh, my God. And he's throwing signs, and y'all can't see it either. Y'all can't see it. Gangster podcast, and we didn't even know it was going to be that. Oh, no, not at all. We, we not know at all. going to go down that road. Not at all. You're go. Are you, can we talk about that? You're you're uh, you're you're partnering with a tequila. Oh, I was company. like, I don't know what we're gonna talk about. I don't know what y'all gonna say on this <laughs> you're thing. Par- you're partnering with a tequila company. I now. am. Yeah, Talk a little bit about we're that. In the, we're literally in the middle of it right now, and they had their first night in Nashville last night. Mm. And I think about long about <laughs> two a.m. They were like, "Oh God," and I'm like. <laughs> And this one over here, my friend's like, welcome to Nashville. <laughs> yeah, so everybody, it's widely known that I drink tequila, and I love it, and kind of a little bit of a te- tequila connoisseur. I like to study it and kind of how it got made. It ain't, ain't to me. I know the rest of Nashville's trying to be alcoholics, but I ain't trying to do that. You know what I'm saying? I don't like going to meetings. I ain't about that. But I love the taste of tequila. I like to be able to sip it and enjoy it, and I, I like it straight out of the bottle. If it's mm. not good that way, then it's not, it's not good. But... I've got to taste the tequila. I can't just say, yeah, I'm going to represent something that I'm not going to have in my hands. And so through the tasting, we didn't get through three bottles because my friend cannot uh, drink tequila like I can. And I had no idea that, lo and behold, about three takes in, she was gone. Gone. She was gone. So depends on what side of the mountain all of this exists on. I mean, if your side got a little bit more sunshine than somebody else's, I mean, it could light you up. That's all I'm saying. Because I'm like, we're not shooting it. I don't like to shoot tequila. I like yeah. to sip tequila. Marcus likes to shoot tequila, though. That's the thing about tequila. One of the reasons I have a passion about tequila is an upper. So most everything that yeah. you drink is like this mellow out downer mm-hmm. thing. I'll drink some red wine every now and then. I, I do have a passion for Italian red wines. But it's an upper. But people always think you're supposed to shoot it. Like, I don't know where they got that concept from because anytime that I've been to Mexico, they take that in like it's life. I mean, they, they, so I've they got a whole chill with it. yeah, they just chill with it. And I got a whole barrel from a, from an actual family that they harvested all of that on their farm, and it's some of the best tequila that I ever had in my life. But 
It's just for sipping. It ain't for shooting, mm. Marcus. I learned my lesson. I only shoot Patron, but it's only every once in a blue moon. We need to have a tequila night. I'm all about that. Okay. I'm oh. all about that. Oh. <laughs> she She's about that for like 30 minutes, just so y'all know. Y'all only going to get 30 minutes out of that. The Turner only lasts for 30 yes, minutes. Yes. That's about all you're going to get out of her. So if y'all looking to have a whole night. A one and done. She's yeah. a one and done. You working on a different timeline over here. Yeah. By the way, we have tequila in our hands right now, but I'm here for the party. <laughs> I'm here. I'm here. This is here. hey. This is yeah. your podcast. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. Yeah. I know it's called yeah. the smoking section, but now we're renaming it we the drinking it. section it for drinking today. Section. Yep. That's dangerous. I'm telling you, we it's don't know what side of the mountain that was grown on, how much sun that got. But if you want to test the theory out, I can show you. But you won't have a hangover, and it's just good out of the bottle like that. Like yeah. it doesn't. I mean, unless you like like it on on the rocks, but. I just, I like a good clean tequila I like, like it. I that. Like it's it good in, I don't need no rocks. Look at you sipping, Mar- Marcus. Look what we did. I matured. Look at you. You out of college now. I'm you out of college, college now. <laughs> you ain't college drinking no more. Uh-uh. uh, uh, uh. I'm strong. I'm strong. Here to get the friction on. Let's uh. do this. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you, uh, you've been, you've been writing a lot with Gretchen Wilson. Yeah, look. How did that friendship come about? Well, you know, years ago... She was in her own special way of place. <laughs> and Gretchen and I had encountered each other several different times. But you got to know that her stuff came out, roundabout my stuff came out. Mm-hmm. And so you got two brunette girls with two strong personalities. And she and I both feel that there was a little bit of keep away with that now. Mm-hmm. She goes, well, I mean, God, they couldn't have both of us running around town, which is a little bit right. But, bit right. Um, you know, and two businesswomen because we both love doing business as well. But I think there was a competitive thing there, not between she and I, but with the people around us. Uh-huh. So we never really got to know each other. But I've always respected her as the singer she is. She's a phenomenal singer, always. I didn't know what kind of songwriter she was until we got together. But honestly, if you want to know how we got together, we're going to roll this right off of tequila. And I'm going to tell you, it was God. We ended up judging a songwriting contest together. We did That's it over right. at Nolan's place. We did it every single Monday. Um I didn't know how she was going to be. I hadn't seen her in years, didn't know what I was going to walk into. And immediately when I sat down, she goes, well, how are you? And I'm like, would she look at her being all chatty? And, you know, because it wasn't the norm that I had said. I mean, she she had uh, a funny story. I was on her bus one time and her daughter climbed in my lap. And she looked up at me and she goes, she looked just like my mommy, but she got different shoes. So Gretchen comes off stage, comes on the bus. She kind of eyes me, but she looks looks at Grace. Well, I reminded Gretchen about that moment. I said, do you remember that? She goes, I do remember that. And I said, what was that about? She goes, I don't know, but I sized you up. and wasn't sure I could take that. So I just like let that go. <laughs> I let that go because <laughs> she didn't say anything to me. But fast forward years later, we're judging that songwriting contest. And every Monday we would talk and we get into some deep stuff out at those picnic tables. And we're sitting there like everybody's blitzed out of their mind. I'm not because that ain't my favorite way to be in life. But right. everybody's blitzed out of their mind. Gretchen's drinking with everybody. We're sitting there, should, you know, break out singing. We break out in song. Just, and it's, it was a good time, but we got into a lot of deep conversations. And we just started talking about our background and dug into it a little bit deeper. And I think her curiosity, maybe with me, was that, I come in, I'm just happy. I mean, when I wake up, I just, I, I wake up that way. I mean, it, you know, you don't, you don't get pissed off till you actually pick up your phone and your computer and then you got to deal with people. But in general, I stay in a, in a good place and, and I'm glad to be there. And all that for me is God. 
I'm like, look, this is real simple. Head of the record label, God. VP under him, Jesus. All them little minions running around doing your video and your social media and all that, Holy Spirit. And so we had this breakdown one night of just the way all that broke down of me being able to talk to her. And the next thing I knew, she's praying at her fan club parties for everybody. And it's beautiful. Like so many people blame church people for the way that they feel about God or Jesus. And I go, you keep telling me what church people did to you. You ain't telling me what Jesus did to you. Right. You're, not, mm. you're not telling me because what their behavior is has nothing to do with that, that guy or whatever you want to call it, the, the universe or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody's got different names for things. To me, it's God is Jesus and the Holy Spirit is the right. Trinity. That's the way I was raised and right, what I believe right. in and have evidence of that in my life. But we connected on that level, and it just got to a really deep friendship level, that spiritual world that we kind of lived in there and we do when we get together. And I, I think that's a bond that you ain't going to break in half. And then in the middle of all that, had nothing to do with music. Obviously, that whole story had nothing right. to do with it. We right. were judging that. And then she just called me out of the blue, and she's like, hey, you know, we need to write. And we ended up writing with this girl that kind of, she kind of hoodooed her way in there a little bit. And we wrote a good song. That didn't make the record. But me and G kept writing after that. And then the next thing I know, the songs that we wrote together, she was like, I think this is my single, and I think this is my single. So we had Summertime Town, and then we had Stacy, and it's going to continue to grow. I think the next single is going to be mine, too, but I don't want to misspeak on that. But I Mm. think it's coming around the corner. She did play play it in key west though she did look at me and go should we i'm like if that's what you want to do and so next thing i know she was singing big wood deck and that would be deck d-e-c-k <laughs> let, me, let me make sure that's clear on here i can't wait for not that the other up. not the other word so that was pretty funny out of the whole record that that's the wow. one that he loved yeah one of my favorite songs that you have written and i go back to it from time to time because it's so damn good your song hold on to me Wow, I can't believe you said that one out of all of them. Yeah, I think it's more so because it's the stripped down. Definitely stripped down. Stripped down acoustic, and it's just you and the guitar, and all, you have to listen to this damn song. You just hear the rawness of it. You can so, hear the rawness of it. And yeah. It's just like, holy shit. I, I think anything I sing like that, you'll always hear that in it, because that's my roots. That's yeah. how mm-hmm. it started. I started in tent revivals in different churches. That's why I don't claim a Baptist of, of, mm-hmm. of whatever. I don't have a name on, on what they call religion for me, because I was I experienced all the churches. Mm-hmm. Like, we'd be in the tent mm-hmm. revival, start at 11 a.m., go to 1 a.m., Watching demons getting prayed out, watching all kinds. Yeah, oh yeah. It was wow. a shake down. Ooh, wow. And you have a mix of everybody in there. So I only have an understanding of that is probably if we're gonna we're gonna say what heaven's gonna look like, that's why I'm like, Well, do you think that your neighbor is gonna be a Baptist? Cause I mean, it could be a Pentecostal. You don't know. Mm. I mean, the, at the end of the day it's just about loving God. So songs like that are down to my core. That's mm-hmm. down to my roots. That's the things that when I get to dig those out, that's how Danny and I connected was because of Southern Gospel music. That was mm-hmm. his first mm-hmm. two cuts, I believe, that he had. His first number one was in Southern Gospel music. And wow. so he and I connected, and I had an idea for that, brought it in, and we ended up writing, hold on to me. It is the one I said, somebody asked me one time, if you, if you, if you had to die and you're gone and there was a song of yours that you would want played, what would it be? And I always say it's that song. Really? Always. Mm. Mm. Now you're going to think about me dying, and it's going to mess it all up. I'm going to cry on it next time. No, it's so, so, like, it's just so, it's just so damn good. Mm. It's just, and it's powerful. It's like, that's one of those where you sip on whiskey or you sip on tequila and you sit and listen. Mm-hmm. That's right. Don't tell the church people. You know, tell, yeah, don't tell church people. That. Sure, they probably got some in. They probably got some in the purse. Don't tell. Don't tell the church people. That. <laughs> tell the church people that. Don't all. tell the church people that know all the cuss words and where alcohol is too. Don't tell them. <laughs> don't tell them. 
I am calling them out on this podcast <laughs> right now. Yeah. I love it when people have like a, a judgmental thing that they want to pass and they go, well, how do you, how do you justify being a Christian knowing God and you drink tequila and you, you know, you know all the, I'm like, well, first of all, I ain't going to lie to you and say that I don't drink tequila and I'm not going to lie to you and say that I don't know all the cuss words. I know them all and all the slang words for the cuss words. I know all the words. That's my mm-hmm. job to know all the words. And I make all of them up. Yep. That's my job <laughs> and make them rhyme too, right? <laughs> but in the middle of all that, I'm like, it comes down to conviction. And if I had a heavy conviction on something, then it would be something I need to take a look at. But you know what? You're going to need to mind your business, and I'm going to mind mine. That's, a, that's an important part of living in this world. If we're going to say we're somewhere passing through where we don't mm-hmm. belong on our way home, if mm-hmm. we're going to say that and put it into those terms, I think that's part of living in this world mm-hmm. is that we don't have any room to be able to judge anybody. we got right. plenty of room to love people, where there's, which there's a lot less of that going on. There's yeah. a lot more judgment, a lot crazy. less love right now. But yeah. our job is to love. That's our job. And everybody takes over this other thing of this self-centeredness of going, no, but hear me, hear what I'm saying. This is, I am important because I'm saying this. No, you're important because you're breathing, but you're not the only thing that's important in the equation. It's important that you understand there's other things in front of you that are important. That's why I always say that space between the speakers and the people that are listening Mm. to music, that's our space. And it's my job to give to them, and it's my job to feel back. Mm. And so when I go and play a show and that energy comes back to me, it's my job to take it and push it out. It's the space you get for a little while to forget about if life is not the best place for you to be in. It's that little bit of space you get for a minute to exchange that energy and know that you had two hours, three hours, however long it lasts, mm-hmm. to kind of have that moment. Are you more comfortable writing by yourself or more comfortable writing co-writing? That's interesting. That's two different rights. It's two different rights. Co-writing is a place that you can get in that space with somebody. And when you, when you go, man, I think this is stupid. And mm-hmm. I've always said, throw your stupid stuff out. That's really important mm-hmm. in a right. But if it's, it's, if it's a place where you go, man, I think this is stupid, and you get to say it out loud to somebody and them go, oh, wait, that makes me think about this. And then they go to wherever it needs to be because mm-hmm. I for, will forever think that songs, it's almost like a puzzle. And every word starts falling into its place for the sentiment and the emotion of that song. Mm-hmm. So co-writing is that kind of bounce-off situation that you get. And it is also a situation where if somebody's got something going on in their life, you get to hear that story, and that might be the song for that day. Me writing by myself looks a little bit different because mm-hmm. that's really an inspired spot of something that happens for me. It usually happens between 11 p.m., and 3 a.m. And so oh, wow. if, if I had kind of been just hanging at the house one of those nights where I felt like I wasn't going to go to sleep, knowing me, I'm going to crack this bottle open, I'm going to pour me out some tequila, and I'm going to sit around tool on that guitar for a while. And when it shows up, it's supposed to show up, and then I usually finish the song. And sometimes in co-writing, you come back to the mm-hmm. song. Right. But I'm a person that if I'm writing by myself, I end up finishing because I know I'm in the moment right then, and I want that moment in that song. Right. So it's a little bit different. Mm. Um, funny thing, co-writing songs happen quicker for me than when I'm writing by myself. Yeah, funny thing. When I sit down to wow. write by myself, it really is a... Uh, I guess kind of a, a wrestle with yourself moment right, where you're right. where you're going, no, that's not, you know, then you're really searching your feelings. You're like, is that even how you feel? Is that even what you're trying to say? And so you can't really get inside of somebody else's world because you don't have anybody. It's just you and silence. Right. You're writing with pure silence. So that takes a little bit longer than it does when I'm co-writing with somebody. I wonder what I'm going to write if I sat down just by myself and just whipped it out and just started doing it. 
I don't know. Listen back to this podcast. There's a lot in here. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot in here. So, yeah, congrats on that. I, 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 I do you. remember that. I was going to get there eventually because I, I do remember it, it did populate on my, uh, my news feed for Facebook. And I'm like, what the hell? Like, this is awesome. I was the same way. Yeah. <laughs> I was exactly the same way. What the hell? What the hell? I was like, I didn't, for one, I didn't even know you were producing. Yeah, producer. I didn't know I was either till it happened. <laughs> <laughs> God's honest, I thought it was something I'd do much later in life. Like, I right. thought I would be pretty much done with the road. Heck, I thought I'd be done with the road by now. But I thought I'd be done with the road. All right, mm. I accomplished some songs. Like, people cut songs. Maybe I get another number one. Who knows? Whatever. I mean... I, did, I don't shoot, like, way out there in the stars unless it's mine to get. Right. I only want to mm-hmm. have what is mine. I don't want to take somebody else's. But, yeah, I mean, Marcus, I thought it was something I was going to do way later in life. I'm like, yeah, you know, reckon about 50 years old in the music business, you probably, like, you kind of at least got your first couple tequila mm-hmm. wrinkles by then. <laughs> and you about, you know, you about had a place to be done, and, and then you can take all your knowledge and use it for other artists that are younger and are able now to be able to mm-hmm. have their space. And Alyssa Moreno, who you know, mm-hmm. who wrote every day for Rascal Flats, kept mm-hmm. telling me about writing with these girls. You got to write with these girls, but you got to meet these girls. And they were fourteen and sixteen years old, and I'm like, Liz, I don't know what to do with fourteen and sixteen years old. I don't, I don't, I don't Taylor Swift over here. Respect what she's done, but I don't Taylor Swift. Okay, I don't. I got. I didn't go as a as a child. I was not going through breakups and and bubble gum. I was raising my father's family, so I don't even know what Taylor Swift is talking about. Like that's great though. If if you see Tim McGraw, it's great, but it was not my. <laughs> it's not. It ain't me. You know what I mean? Uh, I'm out here stomping I, a hole in the I, floor. I can't. I, I can't even picture her. She just did that. I can't even picture you singing that fully. Right? No. Drew looks at me. I can't. I can't even do it. I can't even. I can't. Who's Drew? I never met Drew. I've met Drew. Right? I met my mama. Met my mama I've met Drew. I met my IRS return that my mama took from me, but I don't know nothing about Drew. I couldn't even afford to hang around Drew, right? Oh, my but God. But in the middle of it, I go into this right. Finally, she convinces me to write with them, and they're Jenny and Ashley, and they are, like, full of all of that crap. Like, they are full of all of it. And they come in, and they're like, oh, my God, like, blah, 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 and it's, oh, my God. And it's like, I'm obsessed with this, and it's all of the things. Mm. And I'm going, uh-uh, ain't no way. I'm sitting over there in some boots and a hat going, no, oh, no way. And then these girls started singing together. Like, mm-hmm. I said, hey, just sing me something. I want to hear, hear what you guys do. And as soon as I heard them sing, my head went, I know what to do with them. I know exactly what to do with these girls. Not having a clue whether I was going to be able to write with them or not. And I went home that night by myself and laid down a song called Stepping Stone. And it was based off of their parents being the quarterback and the cheerleader. Their parents have the real story, except they stayed together forever. And kind of based off my first love where he had a Mustang, and this is kind of the we'd split up a million times and that that whole deal. But that didn't happen until I was like 20 years old. I didn't have that in Mm -hmm. teenage years. And I wrote this song, Stepping Stone. I sent it through and said, hey, I don't know what you guys think about this, but you kind of inspired this for me telling the stories and listening to you sing. And they flipped out over it and said, oh, my gosh. They said, oh, my God. Oh, my God. You know, flipped out. 
I'm obsessed. And so the next thing I know, I'm in rooms writing with these girls continuously, and it just keeps coming out. I mean, it just, I, I called them at 1 o'clock in the morning one time, and Ash would always be up. And I go, Ash, how come somebody's never written from your point of view? When I grew up, I want to grow old with you. She goes, oh, my God, Bridget, blah, 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 blah. So the next thing, we're over the phone writing and over Skype writing, and just any way we could write, really inspiring. And we end up with a whole record. And so they were called the Lockets. And Mr. Borchetta over at his company uh-huh. was starting to pay mm. some attention to it. And I was getting them worked around town. But I'm a producer that when I go in, I'm not going to know all your charts and all your notes and all your... I don't care anything about it. Right. I care about what I hear. I care about what I feel. And that's how I produce when I'm in there doing it. So I mm-hmm. couldn't even remotely put it into words how it happens. Because mm-hmm. it happens in there with the musicians. Where I'm like, hey, I need you to give me... Then I need you to give me... You know, so this is how I talk to them and those musicians and myself work together to be able to. It's a beautiful thing to watch that music go back and forth like that because they're not looking at a piece of paper to do it then. Then they're having to creatively think about it. So it's Mm -hmm. a blessing that I I don't do charts and that I don't read any music, never have. Worst thing I did in college. That was the worst class. I made a B in that class. Everything else made A. It was terrible for me. Couldn't understand it. I don't, I'm like, I don't understand how. Music has numbers, and I don't understand how you're putting it in between those lines. And this, what happens when that line bends? Like, yeah. what, what's that? Right. Like, you're not telling me all those in between beautiful things, accidents that happen. So, all my writing is kind of based on that, too. I have to go back and relearn what I play on the guitar because I'll just come up with licks, and they're like, oh, you do that thing. And I'm like, I don't know that thing. I got to go back and study that thing. <laughs> but it happens in the moment, and it's just beautiful to watch music. But they were my first production project. And that kind of opened the doors for me where things started appearing, where they were going, hey, I really like your production. I want to know if I can work with you. Right. And so then there came a Dave McElroy that I, I ended up being in the middle of management with now as well, too. I thought that's something I'd do much later in life. And then right. he called me and goes, hey, I need help. And I'm like, like, I need to check you in or what are we talking about? You know? <laughs> and he goes, no. He goes, um, you know, the manager I've got's not really doing the job and, You've kind of guided me on some things, and I need some help. And so, lo and behold, now not only am I I'm a producer and a songwriter and an artist and all of those things, I am I am a, a, manager. a manager now. And so, yeah, there's up. that. We just launched his single a couple of days ago, Chill, which is turning out to be really great. Radio's responded to it wow. well. Yeah. And then in the middle of all of that, there lands a guy named Uncle Si. Yeah, from Doug Dynasty. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. I forgot you were on that. That's yeah. right. Yeah, played a, a veteran show that I was scheduled to go home. Kind of went back and forth with this manager of her going, "Well, think about doing it." And I'm like, "Girl, I scheduled a flight. I'm going home. Nobody says think about it." And then I kind of called on, "All right, maybe this is something I'm supposed to do." So definitely prayed about it. Got in touch with my best friend. Said, "Hey." She keeps asking me about playing this show. I don't know what to do. She goes, well, I, I need to pray about it. And I'm like, well, I need you to hurry up. Well, I can't rush Jesus. That's what she says. <laughs> and so um, a few days later, she gets back and she goes, I know you want to come home because I was in the middle of, of transitioning from a rental situation to my actual farm. Mm. She goes, I know you want to come home, but here's the deal. I think you're supposed to be there and I don't know why. And I really didn't know what they were doing. I'm going to be real honest. I'm like, I don't know what they're doing, but they're, they're fun. They're nice people. And I got a call that said, hey, you want to join a band eventually from Marsha, who's in the group with us? And I'm like, what band? Like, y'all, the band that y'all got? Because I don't think I can, I, I don't think my name should go up, up in that. I'm just saying, 
<laughs> it was it was a really odd thing. They were singing cover songs, and Cy had his back turned to the audience, and and there was a lot there, a right. lot of where I didn't want to be. Right. I, I'm like, I just want to be your friend. I ain't trying to right. you know, right. ruin, ruin my name and music. And so I ended up getting a sound vision for that. If you can do that, where I could actually see what that was supposed to look like, it ended up producing that record, and we got signed to a record deal, and then. Um, took on some management with that, which I semi-managed that too. So production is a world that just happened, and it keeps happening. Another another kid named A.J. Sanders that I produced from South Carolina, and it keeps happening. So lo and behold, over the past five or six years, I've delved into that, and now I'm up for a NEMA award for being producer, best producer of the year, and I'm against hip-hop and all the genres. It's like everything in, in one cap. But on top of it, finding out that I'm the first female, and if you don't know what that is, that's the Nashville Industry Music Awards, but I'm the first female in that category, which I am definitely not one of those, I am woman, hear me roar. Like, I'm working alongside of you, and I don't think there's anything that y'all do that, that we can't do. Right. Right. I feel like we're all in an equal Situation, you're just going to have to work really hard. It's just like anybody else is going to have to work hard. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like I earned that spot, but it was unexpected because I feel like I still got ground to cover as a producer, but it's an honor and a privilege. And if I get to win it, then y'all might hear me roar as a woman a little bit because that's a great accomplishment for women in music. I mean, there's right. it's an uphill battle for us. We all know that. Yeah, There's a lot of men in it. Radio saturated, 85%. It's an uphill battle. But I always say... You just got to work a little bit harder than the shoulder next to you. You also got to have a purpose. When you wake up, one day you're going to wake up and you're going to go, man, I don't want to do this anymore and I don't know why. But the thing that will continue you on is if you've got a purpose. Mm-hmm. Then I was given an even better piece of advice by Robin Lee. I don't know if you remember that Black Velvet song. She came into my hometown mm-hmm. and played. And I got to go backstage and my mom said, do you have any advice for my daughter? She goes, I do. She said, learn to accept the word no. And that was a great piece of advice mm. for Nashville, Tennessee, because you hear a lot more no's than, than you, you do, do yeses. They love throwing that word around. Yeah. No. It's because it's so easy. Yeah. No. It's so easy to say no. It's really easy to say no, and it's easy to go and hide and all the things that they do. But I also have learned you got to make the yes happen. Yes. Yeah. You, you don't even hear the no's. They're there. They exist. But you got to make the yes happen. And it's got to be because you have a purpose in it. That is a continual driving force to get you where you need to be. And you also got to understand it's not about you. It's about what you're supposed to get to other people. It's about the people that are listening to the music. It's about that audience. And you've got to understand that has everything to do with you and nothing at the same time. So it's got to be respected as such. But in the world of production, that's nothing that I thought was going to come into my life at the particular time that it did, but I'm glad that it did because it gave me a fresh way to love music outside of what I do. And it's always inspiring and it always challenges me because i got to find the artist in somebody else. I'm an artist first, but I've got to find it in somebody else. So Mm -hmm. it's challenging, but I'll take that challenge on. I I feel like there's a couple projects that have have done okay and um, I'm pretty confident in more confident actually in what I'm doing now and communicating with those musicians and to get in that room and be respected by those musicians was a big deal for me. That was the biggest thing as far as a challenge that I saw. I'm like, okay, Bridget, now you got to go in there and you believe it, but you got to make them believe it. 
you're working with people that have played music for Lady Antebellum, Alison Krauss, Trisha Yearwood. Now, Big Pants, go on in there and see what you can do. Can I become an artist so I can have her as producer? A little bit scary. (laughs) I'd be passionate about you, that's for sure. There ain't ain't a single artist that I would think would would say that I wasn't passionate about our work. Wow. Depends on how she throw that passion out at you, bro. Uh, uh, I don't mind it. (laughs) It's a couple artists that would tell you I had to leave the room before because I was like, I'm going to choke you out right now. But I think they would tell you that. If you did a podcast with them, I think they would tell you. No, I mean, there was a moment where I thought she was going to try to kill me. But I'm just like, I'm going to need to take a break. I need to go get right with the Lord right now. I need to get out of this room. And get out of this room. Because I'll take risks and chances on people's right. music. I feel like that's the thing that separates it. Like, we're all fans of Eric Church because Eric Church finally did something different. And it made him stand out above everything else. And Jay Joyce's production mm-hmm. is, I'm a fan. Like, yeah. I'm a huge fan of that. Mutt Lang, I'm a huge fan mm-hmm. of what he does with drums. And different mm-hmm. people, their production is what sounds great. i tell you one of the best produced records ever is Annie Lennox's Diva. If you ever get a minute, even if you're not a fan, just go listen for the production. There's not a whisper. There's not a single instrument in that song that doesn't have a place to be heard. It's oh, the most wow. balanced record wow. I've ever heard in my life. Wow. Yeah. I'm going to have to go listen to that. I'm Even sometimes that when out. I'm listening to hip-hop, which I love. Like, I love Lizzo. 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 I don't know. Either way. Lizzo. I got introduced to her because of the song Soulmate. Meg sent really? me a message, and she goes, girl, this is your song. Listen by yourself because, you know, you, this may not be good in mixed company. Right. But the reason I like her records is because I can hear what she's saying. I hear her voice. Everything sounds really balanced, and... Mm-hmm. Every every groove, every loop, every everything in those songs sounds really balanced. But ah, that's crazy. Annie Lennox's diva is mind blowing to listen to. I'm gonna check that out. Yeah, because he's a producer over here. Yeah. Well, you need to check it out. He's if you love to produce, yeah, I love that produce. will blow your mind. How every single stitch in that song has a place. You know what's so funny is like me and you went to the same school. I went to that school for production. You did. Nash- Were you under Nash- Wayne Newendorf? Yeah. Good guy. Yeah. Those are my peeps right there. Good guy. Yeah. Trisha Walker was my songwriting instructor. Oh, really? Uh-huh. She's the one that my mom looked at her. My mom was never super encouraging, but she looked at her, and she goes, you even think this is something my daughter can do? And she goes, I think your daughter has a knack for it, and I think you might want to let her explore this. Mm. Well, that's all you got to tell me. Right. I'm off to the races. I'm like, oh, yeah, I am your racehorse. <laughs> Throw a number on me. I got this. <laughs> Super encouraging, though. That school was very good to me. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That school is, it was a good school, man. Small world. I have to try that school out. Yeah, you ought to try that school out. Yeah. I dropped out three times. Hey, listen. Marcus, <laughs> some people won't be successful. Some don't. That's true. Had a very yeah. smart businessman say that one day. It's going to happen. We're going to be successful. We're being yeah, successful yeah. right now with the podcast. Exactly. 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 It's a small, it's a small mountain you got to climb first. That's all right. We'll get there. You're kicking ass and taking names later, bro. Oh. Right now he's my, talking and drinking tequila. I mean, my, life ain't too bad. Life ain't too bad at all. <laughs> life ain't too bad at all, and I'm loving it. Mm-hmm. See, this is, I, I need to move out here because this is too damn peaceful. Yes, sir. Yeah. This is, let me tell you, um, we'll do a quick story on that. I just kept searching for a farm, searching for a farm, searching for a farm. And you know, yeah. Nashville had a massive boom all of a sudden in mm-hmm. real estate. Right. So either the houses were too small or they were too big or it was too much or it was, you know, it was too little, but it was because the house was too tiny on it or whatever. And I needed, I needed good acreage for my horses and I'd had them boarded. Time went on and going through this really terrible rental situation. Like we always have issues. Everybody's got issues. Right. And 
I keep searching, searching, and finally I'm at the tire shop to get my tires rotated on my truck. And in rolls this dually, and it's a friend of mine. It's her husband. And I'm like, what are you doing? He goes, girl, what you doing here? I said, I'm getting my tires rotated. He goes, well, how's the farm search going? And I said, I don't know. It's pretty rough. It's hard. I keep looking. I keep digging. And he goes, well, you ought to get on Craigslist. And I said, JC, <laughs> now I love you. I love you. I said, I'm looking for a farm. I ain't trying to buy, like, some dilapidated situation. And he goes, I'm just telling you there's stuff on there. And I thought, well, ain't no time, ain't no time like the present. I pull it up on my phone. This is the first place I pull up. I turn it around to him, and I'm like, where's that at? He goes, that's a 40 by 50 shop. Oh, my God. He just freaks out. Of course, y'all are men, so y'all going to flip out over the big barn that's on there. Like, you, <laughs> you can do this and that. And I'm like, listen to me. Where is this at? And he goes, right up the road. He goes, that's your people, girl. And I thought, we'll see about that. And I made the trip out here, and it was at night, and I'm like, I don't know. But I had told God, like this was my agreement with God if I ever made one. Like I can't be more than 40 minutes outside of town. Like that's mm -hmm. as far as I'm going to go. Mm -hmm. To the T from my driveway, it it's 40, 40 minutes. Yep. That's how I ended up at the farm. And I always say it's the farm that God and music built, and I love it. Marcus, it's good to come home now. It's so it's so peaceful. It's good to come home, and you can sleep like a baby. Yeah. She has the one thing that I want. I want to one day just come to my house and drive down the driveway. I love it. That's my shit. Yeah. I love it. I want like, a I gravel want, driveway my whole life. I want a mm. mile-long gravel driveway. But most yeah. people want that smooth. They want, you know, why, the, why would you want a gravel driveway? Because that sound yeah. lets me know I just earned everything on the premises. Yep. And I'm home. I want to get on four wheelers and ride to the mailbox. Yep. And ride back. Yep. That's what I want to do. But I'm very blessed to have what I have. And, I mean, it really is the farm that, that God and music built. So uh, you've been in the business for 20 years. 20 years, yeah. 20 years. I'm 85. Then I remember that Garth Brooks is like 57, and I'm like, I got to keep going. Gotta keep going. Gotta <laughs> got to keep, keep going. going. <laughs> the man's still running around. Is he 50, yeah, he is still running around on that, on that damn stage like that. Kenny is like, Kenny's 55. Kenny Chesney. He, he, he old? He's 55. Yeah. Yeah. He, he got to be older than that. No, he's 55. Because mm. for a long time, he was son of fact that he was 44 for the longest time. And I'm like, you can't be 44 for four freaking years, Yeah, dude. you don't get yeah. to be 44 for 10 years. <laughs> yeah, it just stopped. That's what I'm saying. He's older than that. Two incredible careers, though. Incredible. Yeah. yeah. Country music shaping careers. Yeah. Right. I always, I always think about how, um, because you realize when Garth retired is when Kenny started doing, right, when Kenny started doing the football stadium and Kenny got big. Mm -hmm. So I always question, like, well, what happens if Garth never retires? Does Kenny still get that big push? That'd be interesting. Mm -hmm. That'd be interesting to know. You know what I mean? Yeah. Can you see that big push with the fan base now that Garth retires? Would that still happen? Who knows? That'd Who be knows? interesting to see. That'd be interesting to see. Because mm -hmm. uh, Garth was, Garth, and he's still to this day, Kingpin, I, even though it's King George, I still think Garth is Kingpin. He's, well, he's, he's, he's the guy. He's the guy. He's mm -hmm. the guy. He definitely he's the guy. inspired me. Yeah, he's definitely. the guy. So, what, what's, what's 20 years in this business, you've gone through a lot. What's what's the what's the your rock bottom moment in this industry? I don't where know that I hit a rock bottom. I hit a moment before anything started where mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, I'm 27 years old. Mm -hmm. I've been in town since I was 22. I mean, I've played I've played some stuff with the Music Mafia, Music Mafia Misfits. Yep. That was a spawn of that. Yeah. I've done all that. I've pushed my band. 
Damien Horn and myself, who is, is uh, farm. Yeah, yeah, well, he was in the farm, but now he does the, the thing with Krista. Yeah. Which is the New North, I think. Yeah. I think that's what it's called. He had called me and he goes, Hey, I mean, I know everybody else is stopping what they're doing. He goes, Do you want to stop playing music? I said, Absolutely not. I just don't know what I'm supposed to do with it, but I, I didn't want to stop playing music. So we would go and book. I booked our first show, actually. I called and acted like I, you know, I was like, Hey, I got these couple artists. And I called Third and Lindsley. He said, Hey, I got these couple artists. And I said, the Music Mafia Misfits are kind of laying low for a while. I want to know if we can get them booked. What does that look like? And they were like, yeah, we can give you a Monday at 6 o'clock. It's the worst spot they ever have in Nashville, Tennessee. And I said, okay, we'll take that spot. I'll let them know. They'll be in there to play. And so it was myself and Damien, and we toured for a little while doing that around the town or outskirts where we could get to. And so at about 27 after all that, I thought, all right, nobody's really – they paid attention, but they haven't. Right. But never feeling like that still wasn't what I was supposed to do. At any moment, did I have a give up moment on it where I'm like, all right, well, plan A didn't work. I got to go to plan B. It's always been plan A in my life, regardless. But it started making me think, am I supposed to go back into the church? Is there, you know, is there a diff- different avenue I'm supposed to take? Maybe the business of it. Maybe I'm supposed to go into an office somewhere and work for a label or a mm-hmm. publishing house. And then there was a Carolyn. And you uh, know Carolyn. I know Carolyn. And I had a friend of mine, Jen, which ironically we're working together on Dave's project together, but she kept telling me I need to meet Carolyn. You need to meet Carolyn. You got to meet Carolyn. Carolyn Miller, Carolyn Miller. And I'm thinking she owns these companies. She's got to be at least around 50. That got to be with as much she had under mm-hmm. her belt. I thought that, that must be where, what she's done. And she's about 50. And so Jen had, had uh, left her car. We need to go by there for something. And I walk in the door and she's got a beanie cap on. She's barefooted and she's speaking Spanish. And I'm like, who this right here? And she's looking at me like, who is this? And so um, she gets off the phone, and I'm like, who are you, Carolyn? You must be Carolyn. And she was like, yeah, who are you? And so that's kind of how our exchange started, which is real funny. It's still our exchange to this day. But that night, my I was driving a Jeep, and I had a Palm Pilot. Back in the day when you had a Palm Pilot uh... and a cell phone. And Jen, I'd convinced Carolyn to go to a show that I had over at, uh, I think it was called The Dog. The uh, I can't remember what it was called at the time, actually. I don't know. But it was there on DeMummery, and all that changes so quick. But yeah, I had convinced her to go yeah. to a show. She sat there with her back to me. I don't think she was listening. She didn't even want to go. But she ended up dressing me in the whole, whole deal, right? No, you should wear this. You should do it. She got really invested. And I started singing, and she turned around. And when I got done, she's like, that was, that was pretty good. And we went to go get back in my Jeep, and somebody broke into my Jeep, ripped all the windows open, stole oh, the Palm Pilot, stole the phone, stole my planner. Five years of music numbers, gone. Shit, Everything God. gone. At that moment, I had always had two jobs or either a job that paid me really well. It's the only time ever in my life I was not working. And it was because I was working for chiropractors that had to eliminate my position because I figured out how to make too much money, and they couldn't fire me. So I was on unemployment at the time. Only time ever in my life. And you only get, I think it was a three-month window right. on it. Right. Well, she had a, a, a charity event that was coming up, and, and I was really interested in what she was doing. But still no intention of doing anything with her. I just had, had known that she had these companies and had this charity. She felt really bad. She had told me to park there, Palm Pilot, all this stuff gone. Jen ends up bailing. She goes where she goes. So there's me and Carolyn. She's like, I am really sorry. I'm going to help you tape up the windows. I'll help you get a phone, all of these things. And so we get back to her house, and I'm like, let me use your phone. And I call my phone, and I kid y'all not, 
The guy answers. Hello? <laughs> I said, hey, you got my phone. This ain't, this ain't your phone. This is my phone. And I'm like, excuse me? This is my phone. You're on my phone. You stole it out of my Jeep. I ain't stealing nothing. This is my phone. I answered the phone, didn't I? And I'm like, oh, wow. Oh, God. Please oh, don't. You know, because no. I'm like, oh, no. I, I would be willing to bust anything to get to this guy at that moment. But he grabbed everything out of there. So that was all gone. Song ideas in there, too. All of it gone. And she started talking to me about my music. And quickly she goes, hey, I will get you a phone. And I, and I said, listen, what are you doing with this charity thing? And she said, well, it's for kids. It's up, you know, up to 18 years of age. The Charlie Foundation formed it because of my dad. He passed of leukemia. And she goes, I've just got a passion for it. And I said, well, I'll tell you what. I'll come back and I'll help you. I'm not doing anything right now. I'll come back and help you. Boom. Show up at 10 o'clock on Monday. And she's like, wow, you're here. <laughs> Two weeks later, she goes, hey, so you don't have a job right now. And I said, well, no, I'm just trying to figure out what I'm going to do next. So she hires me on. Two weeks later, I ended up working with the Charlie Foundation. Didn't know what we did. Hmm. Walk into this boxing event, love boxing. My dad used to box and amateur boxed and walk into this event like, what did we do? And I mean, there's all these things going on in there and ended up working with her through several of those events, through other things with the charity, ended up on tour mm -hmm. with Shannon Brown, eating dirt, selling t-shirts. Mm -hmm. This is when loud kind of happened, but yeah. Carolyn was the one that had this hunch. I don't know. I think you and Danny need to work together in some way. Miss Danny Myrick, if you're not familiar. And she said, I think you need to work together. I don't know. There's just something. I feel like you guys have something really similar and y'all need to get together. Well, Danny really wouldn't pay attention to what I was doing at the time. And he was shooting for the stars, as he always does. And eventually, Carolyn said something else to him. And she goes, I just, I just wish you would listen to something and, and you would ride, at least with her one time. We end up in the back of the bus with all our clothes on. But we end up in the back <laughs> of the bus talking about our background. Mm -hmm. And that is kind of what catapulted everything out of me being 27 going, I don't know if I'm supposed to be, you know, maybe it's not supposed to come from my voice or, or maybe I'm not supposed to write the songs. I don't know. Right. Um, the rest of it's kind of history. Now we ended up writing together, connecting. There was a hold on to me and there was a loud and there was a she's country and there was, I like my Cowboys dirty and everything mm -hmm. really started surfacing. Mm -hmm. And I was his first production project. And we went to Vegas to cut the record because Carolyn knew I love Vegas and the energy. I come back with a lot of song ideas. It's not about the gambling or the half-nakedness or the half-drunkenness. It's about the energy in that place for me when I go and visit it. And I usually leave with all these song ideas. So we had cut the record in Vegas. But in the middle of all of that, Danny and I had written She's Country. And I was living in the top of a friend's house. Didn't have anywhere to go at the time. And I remember I came in that day and all I wanted to do was rhyme Kakalaki. And I did it. And the song literally started with, she's a hot little number and a pickup truck. Daddy's sweet money done jacked it up. She from South Kakalaki and shake her sassafrasi. Well, I'm a big Aerosmith fan too. So mm. sass, you know, shake that sassafras, all that stuff that he does. And I'm like, sassafras, yes. And I'm a big Missy fan. And mm -hmm. everybody thinks that Bad Mama Jamma came from Bad Mama Jamma. And I'm like, uh-uh, no. Missy's like, she's a Bad Mama Jamma ever since of the word. And I'm like... No, that came from that. And then Crazy Mother Trucker came out of a song that I know you'll know if you know Garth, if you dig, dig that deep, and it was a song called Rollin'. And it yeah. started off, she was born to a mother trucker. And I'm like, one day I just want to put mother trucker in, in a song. And so yes. every single thing in that song has a definition to it. But that thing blew up really quickly. 
John Rich got a hold of Loud, ended up cutting that with Kenny. So that one kind of swiped out from under me. But that Mm -hmm. all happened at the same exact time. I also got married all at the same exact Mm -hmm. time um, and divorced at the same Same exact exact time. Yeah. (laughs) So here I've got everything in the world going on at one time. And just when you think you're in the right place, um, you know, it was unfortunate. Danny and I are still buddies and always will be. He's like a brother to me. But he kind of pulled away on writing with me. So we had a song plugger going, hey, I need Myrick Tatum songs. And I'm like, I'd love to give that to you. But Danny's wanting to write with Craig Wiseman and Bob DePiro and all these people. And he just it's just where you find yourself where you feel right. like, I right. need to go in this direction now. There's an accomplishment, but I need to go in this direction. But I'm a person that's like, no, you keep the team together. You keep the house keep the together. House together. Yeah. But yeah. That, wasn't, that wasn't the way he looked at it. And he had been doing it a lot longer than I had. And he had to go his direction. And so I had to understand that and really found myself again, floating out the middle of the hemisphere of Nashville, Tennessee. And then I quickly called on that. That's when the woman and the man struggle happened where they're like, wait a minute, a woman wrote on this song. I'm telling you, I think to this day, Al Dean's producer came to see if I had teeth. Like I think he came to see. And then I think after we encountered each other, he's like, wait a minute, this is not what I thought it was going to be. And Aldine's always been very sweet to me about right. that song and right. always paid me compliments as far as a writer in that whole world, which was beautiful right. for me, starting out to do what I was doing. But I quickly learned this uphill battle of, oh, yeah, I know Danny wrote on it. Well, I know Danny wrote on it. And I'm like, okay, all right, I didn't come into this town to do what I've done to have to even separate this out. Mm-hmm. But if I'm going right. to have to do this, then I'm about to climb this mountain. And I did it with six strings I did it with God, and I did it with a whole lot of stuff on my back that I knew I would have to have as artillery when I went into those rooms because I had to prove myself to these writers. And men really do have to understand that women came in here to be serious about it. And and David Lee was probably the guy that gave me the most confidence with it because the day that we wrote, we wrote a song called John Wayne that he ended up recording that got released in Texas. And the day that we wrote, he looked at me and he goes, Bridget, you came here to write songs. And I understood in that moment with him, this was a man that could actually tip his cowboy hat for real because he actually wears it. He actually wears it. He could really tip his hat at me and go, this girl came here to do this. And it was a vote of confidence, and it was a mountain that I knew I may not get it all the way climbed, but I was headed in the right direction. So from there on out, Danny's done his thing, I've done my thing, and I've been able to get some cuts with people like Miss Gretchen Wilson. And Randy Mr. Hauser. Randy, yeah, Mr. Randy Hauser, um, Cowboy Troy. Yeah. yeah. And it's just kind of grown on its own and, and being able to produce my own artists now. And I just didn't worry anymore about whether we all had to stick together as a team. I understood I was a team of two. There's me and there's God. But I had support in my corner because Carolyn always and will always, I believe, will believe in what I'm doing, mm-hmm. always, and gave mm-hmm. me great respect. She always said that my music stopped at her business, and I always said her business stopped at my music, and I feel like that's how we work well together and climb mountains that we did together. So it's always going to be a climb, but rock bottom for me mm-hmm. would have been that moment where I'm moment. like, I'm 27 years old. I don't think anything else is going to happen. So you would have never told me, no, no, Miss Tatum, at 32 years old is when you're going to do your first full-fledged tour because I would have told you you were out of your mind. I'd have been like, no, I'd be too old then. Everything's done by then. Are you crazy? But I guess we we couldn't look at Shania Twain and tell her that either because Shania's world kind of lifted off in the 30s, and there's a great artist named K.T. Oslin that didn't lift off until she was 40 years old. Yeah. 
So God has an amazing sense of humor, and I live with that on a daily basis, watching him be funny. That's amazing. Well, Bridget, I want to thank you. Thank you, Marcus. Thank this you, been, thank you Dave. This has been hey, amazing. No worries. Thank you for letting us come out here to your farm. Honey, you come anytime. There's tequila. Not that tequila. That tequila. Man. Man, that tequila. So how can you match that up? I need to better? add that to my bar. That's sexy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Se- and sexy just leads to more sexy. sexy. You know exactly. what I'm saying? <laughs> That's a beautiful street. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. Just Thank y'all for through. having me on yeah. to be able to talk to you. Thanks. Ah, thanks for doing uh, this. Thanks for doing this. We finally got it scheduled. We finally got it planned and everything. Yeah. This has been great. I, I, I love you. I love you back. Of my heart. I love you back. So, all right. It's many been years together. Many years. <laughs> More to oh go. Oh, my gosh. Many years. I've been in this town for 10 years. She's known me for nine. Oh, that's crazy. Holy shit. Y'all go way back like four flat tires. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> She's known for nine of the ten years I've been in town. Wow. And you're still running your and mouth. And I'm still running my mouth. Still running your mouth. That's what oh, I do. So he, what ain't, he, he ain't even changed. No, huh? he ain't changed no. a single mm-hmm. bit. This, this is the bit. last place we were when we did something serious. The yeah. rest of it's in that tequila bottle. The <laughs> <laughs> rest of it's in there. It's all in the tequila bottle. I'm about to tip you one of those. <laughs> Shit. All right. Well, follow us on uh, Smoking Section Podcast. Yes, please do. On Instagram. Bridget, what's your handle? Bridget Tatum.com, Bridget Tatum if you go to Facebook, Bridget Tatum if you go to Instagram. There you go. Or Uncle Sign the Psychotics. Oh, shit. It's good. I'm going to come out and see it's them. Good. I know. This podcast going to go on forever, though, if we don't stop it at some point. Yeah, we got to stop. All right. <laughs> we got to do it. We got to stop. Because <laughs> I might have another drink. I got yes. tequila to drink, people to talk yeah, to, and prayers to and pray. Yeah. So we got to pray. All right. Dearly beloved. No, I'm thinking. All right. <laughs> Prince, that's a whole other subject. Don't get me on that. <laughs> Through this thing called life. <laughs> and tequila. And tequila. <laughs>